Mavs and Sixers were able to tie things up at 2-2 in their series. Warriors and Bucks go for commanding 3-1 leads tonight. It's the NBA Cypher. Let's go. Last night, the Sixers beat the Heat 116-108. to 108. And this has been a series a lot about what James Harden is or what James Harden no longer is in terms of being a star or superstar player. And what I've said before is, I think the James Harden who dominated you offensively the last seven to eight years, I think that guy probably isn't going to show up on a nightly basis. But what you're left with you're left with a James Harden who's still one of the top playmakers in the NBA who will average around 20 points and 10 assists. Last night, you got a glimpse of the James Harden from the Houston days, the James Harden that was an MVP. James Harden showed up. He was 6 for 10 from 3. Joel Embiid's presence has turned this series around. What once looked like it was going to be a sweep after the first two games it's now a series, and it's because even though Embiid didn't put up big numbers in Game 3, his presence opens the floor. His presence makes the Heat defense collapse. Guys are sagging. They're cheating. The spacing is better, giving Terrence Maxey, giving James Harden, and Tobias Harris different lanes and different spots to attack from. I don't expect James Harden to put together three more games of 30 points per game. But I do think when needed, he's shown you he can still pull one of those out. What the Sixers need from him going forward, they just need James Harden to remain aggressive. And for Miami, Jimmy Butler has been the best player in this series. But it's come down to shot making. In both games in Miami, the Heat shot a high percentage from three. On the road, they struggled. In in Philly's case, when they were on the road the first two games, they couldn't make a three. And then they come home, and they can't miss threes. So this series is going to come down to not just your star players, but can your role players, like a Danny Green or a P.J. Tucker from Miami, hit timely shots. It's 2-2, but I think the momentum is squarely in the Sixers' favor. Like the Sixers, the Mavs tied up their series versus the Suns, beating them 111 to 101 last night. The Mavs go 45% from three, featuring Finney Smith, 8 for 12 from behind the arc. He finished with 24 points, second to Luka, who had 26, and then you had Jalen Brunson chipping in with 18 points. To me, this series comes down to the Mavs' ability to make timely shots and the way that the Suns seem to be more engaged with the refs versus the Mavs. Devin Booker put up numbers. Book went for 35. He was a beast, but the Mavs trapped him. They they bum-rushed him, basically making him give the ball up. Every time Booker caught the ball, they doubled him. They made him move the ball to someone else. The Mavs are smart. They weren't going to let 
Devin Booker beat them last night. Obviously, a big part was the fact that Chris Paul stayed in foul trouble, actually ended up fouling out with eight minutes left in the game. I think if you're a Suns fan, the guy that you look to the most, you know Chris Paul will bounce back. You know one way or other, another he will impact the game, whether it's setting people up with assists, killing you with that mid-range, or locking down on D. CP3 will be impactful in game five. But the guy that you need to play big, not just be good, but dominate his matchup, has got to be DeAndre Ayton. Ayton was solid, but they don't need solid. They need a all-star slash almost superstar caliber performance for him going forward. I expect DeAndre Ayton to be more aggressive. I think the Suns will go to him early in game five and try to establish him. And I'm expecting a big game from DeAndre Ayton. If you're the Mavs, as long as you have the guard play that you're getting from Luka, from Brunson, along with Dimwitty, and then the timely shooting from guys like Kleba and Finney Smith, I think the Mavs are a dangerous team. My pick hasn't changed. I'm not J.J. Redick. I still think the Suns are the better team, and I think the Suns will eventually find a way to pull this series out. That said, as a fan that loves the game, I hope this goes seven. Giannis and the Bucks try to take a commanding 3-1 lead versus the Celtics tonight. If you're Boston, what you need to do offensively is move the ball side to side. You need more ball movement along with player movement. You've got to get Brooke Lopez and Giannis going side to side. That way you can find different lanes and areas and spots on the floor to attack. Because right now, the Celtics seem to be primarily a jump shooting team. And while you have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum, Al Horford looks like Al Horford from the Atlanta days. He looks like all-star Al Horford. He's giving you 15 and 12, shooting 43% from three. You need Jason Tatum to be a superstar. I think most people, including myself, see him as a player ascending. But if he's going to be that guy to take that next step, it can't be just for one series. You have to do do that, sustain that kind of effort and productivity throughout the playoffs if you're that guy. Jason Tatum, if he's got a flaw, too often he'll have these kind of games where he's very passive and he doesn't seem to really be engaged. For the series... He's giving you 20 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, only shooting 35% from the field. 36% from 3 is solid, but what they need from Jason Tatum, whether he shoots a high percentage or not, they need him to be aggressive. Get to the foul line. Find a way to generate offense for himself as well as teammates. And for Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is on one. Jalen Brown's shooting 49% from the field, 42% from 3. Jalen Brown's giving you 23 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Jalen Brown and Al Horford has been the Celtics' best players. And defensively, if you're Boston, your offense is what's hurting you because defensively, you've been able to lock the Bucs down. Except for last night, Giannis wasn't really dominating. I know you split the first two games, 
but you made him inefficient in game one. And up until last night, you'd done the same thing. But even after last night, look at the big numbers. 31 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. Those are all impressive. Almost two blocks a game. But he's only shooting 44% from the field and less than 20% from three. So I think if you're Boston, you'll take those numbers, but you have to make him earn them more. You can't allow him to get to the rim. You've got to make him shoot floaters, jump shots, fadeaways, even threes. But you cannot let Giannis live in the paint. I think Boston is going to make a concerted effort to attack his handle, make him pick up his dribble, and keep him out of the paint. And to counter that, if you're the Bucks, and I've said this many times, you don't have to be Giannis-centric all the time. You can move the ball as well. And the guy that's your best player off the dribble, it's not Giannis, as great as he is. And he is their best player. He's arguably the best player in basketball. But the guy, when he's aggressive, that has a bag into whatever he wants to do with the basketball is Drew Holiday. And I would say this. They'd have to sit down with Drew Holiday and say, be aggressive. Do not settle for the three. Even though Drew Holiday has the ability to hit threes, he is at his best when he is going downhill attacking the basket because he either creates for himself or others. This series, to me, comes down to who can get stops, both for stout defensive teams, and if you look at the field goal percentages, the defensive have ruled this game. I know Giannis dominated statistically last game, but remember, the Celtics dominated the Bucks in the fourth quarter. The Celtics had control of that game, and Giannis, he got shut down late. Shot making and defense will decide this game, and yes, I do agree how the game is called will impact this series as well. Like Shaquille O'Neal, like LeBron James, Giannis is one of the hardest players in NBA history to call, to referee. In Celtics players, you've got clever defenders in Brown, Horford, Tatum, Smart, the defensive player of the year, not to mention one of the most underrated players who I am a big fan of, Grant Williams. He's a bad man. One of the best 3 and D guys in all of the NBA. I think they're going to find ways to get in Giannis's path, try to draw fouls. It's going to be interesting to see how the officials call this game. Because if Giannis gets in foul trouble early, that changes how he plays. And that impacts, impacts the Bucks on both ends of the floor. Grizzlies Warriors game four, the elephant in the room or the elephant in the locker room is John Morant going to be able to play in game four tonight. In my opinion, he is your franchise player. If he is anything less than 100%, you have to sit him. You have to rest him. This is not about just right now, but this is about this guy leading your franchise for the next 10 seasons. And risking further injury or making it worse just isn't smart for the franchise or for John Morant. That said, the good news is, yes, the Memphis Grizzlies have been very good without John Morant this season. They've gone 20-2 without Ja. 
I'll say this though, that was in the regular season. This is the playoffs and you're playing the Golden State Warriors and they're actually at full strength. I think the Grizzlies can still make this competitive because they're a talented team. They're not a one-man team. Ja is their star, he's their guy. But Desmond Bain can get buckets. Jaron Jackson can score. DeAnthony Milton, Zaire Williams. They have talented people that can create and get buckets on this team. I don't think the offense is the problem for, for the Memphis Grizzlies, though. They have to lock down on Golden State. If I told you coming into the series that the Grizzlies would actually outshoot Golden State from behind the arc, you'd assume the Grizzlies would have control of this series. Steph Curry's only shooting 32% from three. Wiggins is shooting 30%. Clay is shooting 32%. The only one of their main scorers who's shooting at a high level is Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole is shooting 58% from the field and 43 from three. Jordan Poole has been a wrecking crew when he goes downhill and gets in space. I think the Grizzlies are probably, they're a little shell-shocked because Golden State is actually beating them this series with the two. It's the splits, it's the backdoor cuts. Once again, it's the same formula ball and body movement but now they're attacking the basket they're going for layups and dunks and lobs and I think the Grizzlies they have to adjust to that I think they need to get their bodies into them be a little bit more physical in a series that's already been physical I think the Grizzlies need to take it up a notch again not 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 making bad fouls not being overly aggressive but letting the Warriors know they, they need to feel your presence. You need to have an impact. In our offense, Memphis needs to attack the basket. Golden State has no shot blockers. You have to go to the basket, get to the foul line, get Golden State in the penalty early, and find a way to generate offense. The good news is, in Tyus Jones, you've got one of the best backup point guards, if not the best backup point guard in basketball. He can control the pace, He's a better defender than Ja, and he knows how to get guys into their spots. I'm expecting a close game tonight. Of course, I'm going to give the edge to the Warriors because even though I have confidence in the guys that are going to be on the floor for the Grizzlies, how do you make up for what Ja Moran has given you in this series? 38 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, and 3 steals shooting 50% from the field and 43% from three. He has done whatever he wanted offensively versus anybody on the Golden State Warriors. And that's no slight. Andrew Wiggins is a terrific defender. Clay is capable. Not quite what he was, but capable. As much as people love Draymond, you know who doesn't guard John Morant? Draymond. Not quick enough. Draymond doesn't guard the other team's best perimeter player. That usually falls on Wiggins or a healthy clay. I'm not in any way saying that Draymond doesn't impact the game defensively, but his strength is in guarding bigs and playing in space. Draymond's a terrific free safety defensively, and he's very vocal, but he's not a great perimeter defender. He's a great team defender, and he's great at guarding fours and fives. I think the Warriors win tonight, but I think it's another close game. Obviously, I'm big on law and order. 
congrats to all the MVP candidates and congrats to Nikola Jokic for winning his second MVP. Embiid, John Morant, Steph was an MVP candidate. I think there were a lot of worthy recipients to be MVP, but Joker's not a bad pick. I don't think there were any bad picks. Giannis was a worthy MVP recipient. So congrats to the Joker. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. We'll talk about the results of tonight's game. It's the NBA Cypher. Next time. 